1: But first, a group of tenants living across more than 30 apartments in Dublin city centre in a property have been served eviction notices. And the landlord intends to sell the entire building and they're all subsequently going to have to leave. And now, of course, naturally trying to find somewhere new to live in the area has become increasingly difficult, expensive and proving very hard for some of the residents. One of those residents, James, James O'Toole is with us here on the line today. James, you've been living in the area for, throughout your entire lifetime. Um, what are your options?
0: Well, I suppose we've all seen like social media videos that people have been putting up, you know, endless queues outside apartments or I saw one video of a queue of hundreds of people outside an apartment in Rumcondra. So, I mean, the options are seem very limited. You know, it's a bit of a nightmare at the moment, the rental market. And uh, I've been in this apartment block here for nine you know uh, for 13 years since 2009 so i'm entitled to 224 days notice which i mean some people might say that you know that you're kind of lucky that you've got a bit of forewarning that you're going to have to look for somewhere but i imagine the rental market will be the same next spring as it is now
1: so you've got till about what june uh june the second yeah yeah to find summer it's hard to see how there's going to be much change though isn't it james between now and then yeah, that's the thing. I mean,
0: I, I, like you go on Daft.ie, and, uh, you know, I'm originally from Fatima Mansions Flats, which is in the Dublin area. Uh, and then my parents moved up to Crumlin. So and then, you know, when I left home, I kind of stayed in the area as well in private accommodation. So I've always kind of lived around Dublin Central. It's where all my connections are, it's where my community is, where family and friends are. And uh, looking on at uh, uh, prices, I mean, me and my wife are going to have to go you know, out beyond the M50, like you, you're definitely talking about going to Clondalkin or Rackool or, you know, uh, out to Talot or something before you can get a one bed because, you know, I'm in my 40s now. So the idea of paying, you know, 1,400 for a studio where everything, all your stuff is in mm-hmm. one room in Dublin, eight, that's a bit of a nightmare when you're in your 40s, you know, like I used to live like that in the 90s when I was younger, but you can kind of put up with, you know, living temporarily in a, smaller place of but course, the idea of living yeah. everything in one room like a studio apartment I don't know that would just psychologically be depressing.
1: And is that James you, when you look at I suppose your budget and the area that you want to stay in I mean is, is that what comes up is that what the options are studio apartments?
0: Yeah that's really all that's, that's available yeah I mean within our means I mean I'm a community worker so we're not on you know great pay so you you kind of have to you kind of have to go like, okay, my, you know, the rent is reaching fifty five percent, sixty percent of your pay. You have to kind of draw a line somewhere and say, listen, it's unreasonable to be paying, you know, over half your pay just on rent. So, yeah, I mean, if we don't find somewhere in the area, you know, I, I mean, we're going to have to leave the area to find something. You know,
1: for for many of the other tenants, and I suppose we're not just even talking specifically um, about your own neighbors in in the area that you're in, but. I imagine, James, for a lot of the people you grew up with, um many of them I'm sure are now being priced out of that area.
0: Yeah, my I, I bumped into my cousin um the other day and his uh my uncle, uh, his dad is a you know, they from Fatima Mansion Flats as well. And my cousin has a you know, well paying job. He's working uh, in a, a a car plant place, you know. So he's he's got a good job. Uh but he's basically looking at houses down in uh, Newbridge, raccool you know. So, uh, and then he'll have to come down the nice road, you know, an hour and a half or whatever, or an hour uh, every morning to work and then the same commute back home. But uh, him and his uh, partner, you know, they want, they want to buy somewhere, but the only thing in the in, with, within their price range is to go to what's now called the commuter towns, you know, like the towns outside Dublin. So so you're finding that there's a lot of kind of community breakdown caused by the the rental market madness, you know, where mm-hmm. people have to leave the place where they've got some kind of familial ties or um you know where they've grown up or where they have family and friends
1: and I can also consider in in the line of work that you're in James you probably see the the impact of that particularly yeah. in in kind of in 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 very overdeveloped or in big urban areas like like right in city centers
0: yeah i mean dublin eight is. um Basically, like, every new development seems to be an apart hotel or student accommodation. And it's not student accommodation that, say, someone, you know, from a working class family who's going to UCD or something or, you know, uh, or gets to go to Trinity or something or whatever, you know. Uh, It's not the type of student accommodation that everyday people could afford if they were sending their kid up to Dublin. Like, this is, you know, overpriced, expensive student accommodation, you know, uh, Tailoring to mainly, to, you know, to the international market and things like that, and then there's a lot of apart hotels and stay city hotels and all that kind of thing being developed in Dublin Eight. So you're really seeing, you know, uh, the, the kind of gentrification of the area, and then that's obviously then having an impact on on um, the cohesion of communities. You know,
1: yeah. A text in here as well, James. I see from a listener who says, in the current climate, unless you're originally from the back of beyond, it's very difficult. And um, there's very few people who'll be able to buy where they originally grew up. I'm from near Salt Hill in County Galway and as much as I'd love to stay there, we've had to move an hour's drive away uh, all down to affordability and supply. 53106 is the text line number. James, um, Calvin is with us as well. Calvin O'Brien, who's one half of the Talk and Bollocks podcast. Is gentrification something that's affected you, Calvin?
2: Yeah, gentrification has actually uh, affected a lot of inner city communities, to be honest, which uh, I don't really know any part. Um, north or south of Livy of the United City that hasn't uh, been impacted by the, by the effects of gentrification. Um, like, look at the likes of James. there. Are, there's 30 families living in that building with one stroke of a pen now. They all have this dilemma of facing... Um, who knows what they'll face uh, considering the rental market that we're in at the moment. And it's only going to get worse as well. Like There's been no positive uh, signs from the rental market in the last few years. And um, yeah, I, I can't see I can't see any positive impacts of gentrification in these areas. Like it's really driving a disparity between communities. Um we've generations of people who grew up here. They grew up, the mother and father grew up there, the grandparents up grew, grew up there, you can trace a family history right back and now that's all gonna be dispersed and I'm kind of in the same boat. Like I'm not being forced now out to the to the suburbs. Now, granted, I'm not a million miles away from the inner city now, but it's it's due to the overpricing in the rental market. I can't grow. Uh, I can't afford to raise family where I was raised.
1: And is that is that something that I don't mean necessarily that that annoys you or frustrates you, Calvin? But, but was that ultimately the aim? You wanted to stay around where you originally grew up?
2: Of course. Like when when we were growing up, we were taught like if you work hard, applied yourself, educated yourself made yourself attractive to employers. There's nothing that you can't have, and like I went through the, uh, the education system in this country. I went to college. I'm in a well-paying job by most standards, and like it's it's really, really eating into my salary just to afford to live where I'm living at the moment. So like I had no chance of renting in the city.
1: And you're obviously you you are looking to buy, and you're 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 gone out from the area that you you grew up in. You're now out in the suburbs as well.
2: Yeah, well, I'm I'm looking to buy have no chance of buying. I can barely afford to rent, to be honest with you. Like, uh, if you go on and you look at the houses which are going at the moment, you'll see, like, I don't know, a standard house will go up, which is already overpriced, and then somebody will come in and they'll offer 20% over asking straight off the bat. So how are you supposed to compete with that, you know? Like, you're in a bidding war. Now, you're not talking a couple of hundred euros in a bid. You're talking 20s and 30s and 40,000, and you're like, it took me... X amount of years to build up that amount in the first place. How am I supposed to compete with this? And it's usually from overseas investors as well, like people who won't even step foot in these properties. They're coming in and they're buying them all and that's it. And it's, it's giving the, the local people like, there to have no chance when it comes to the, the housing market.
1: The likes of Dublin 8 in the area that you're talking about, James, it'll be an entirely, well, it'll be a complete, I don't want to say facelift, but like it'll be a very different place.
0: I mean, you see, that's the thing that's always presented, that gentrification is about, you know, that it's going to improve the area. But, you know, for people like me, you know, I remember going for walks with my granddad when I was a kid, you know, seven year, eight years of age, walking down past Guinness, the smell of the Guinness. When I, when I smell the atmosphere, that just makes me feel, you know, I'm home, this is where all my memories are. And to be told that, you know, it's improving your area for, you know, an apart hotel or stay city to come in, uh, you know, to knock down... Uh, you know, blocks and then, uh, you know, replace them with short-term lets and, you know, stuff that's catering to tourists. You know, it's it's just, it's not improving the area. It's actually taking the heart and soul out of inner-city Dublin, you know.
1: A text in from Connor who says there should be some help for locals to stay in their own area. Something like an opportunity to be first offered flats or houses for sale before they go to the websites. I'm from Dundrum originally but priced out of it, now living in Nace. This listener says I would love to live beside my home house in Fox Rock, never going to be able to buy near my parents. I suppose the other side of this is too, Calvin, it's not just an issue in inner city Dublin. Like, I mean, I, I can only, anybody that I know from Dublin Nobody has been able to buy in their home air, home air area. Like, everybody is priced out of it.
2: It's a nationwide Everybody issue. is, yeah. Yeah, and now up and down the country and what really rubs salt into the wound is the fact that there's a lot of vacant properties in this country that are just overpriced that no one actually can afford. So you think somebody would come in and be like, oh, that's too expensive. I need to lower that down because it's going to burn a hole in my pocket. But they're happy to leave these properties vacant. Um, I don't think anyone should have a defined to say, I grew up in this area. I'm entitled to live here. I get it. But there needs to be more in place, and people need protection as well. There's no security for tenants. There's no long-term solution to this either. These are all short-term solutions. Well, we're about but, the sorry, eviction ban, I haven't brought in. Exactly. Well, the, eviction ban, or the government is hesitant to bring in an eviction ban and um, rent freezes as well. So these are all short-term gains for long-term problems. Like in 10, 15 years' time, we're facing generations of people who actually can't afford to retire. <sighs>
1: This listener, I've had to move from my hometown, the town where my great grandparents, uh, grandparents and one of my parents are all buried, pushed out to bring in wealthy with absolutely no roots, as this listener. Another texter on 53106 says communities have been decimated because locals can't afford to live where they're from. New people coming in, renting for a couple of years, then leaving. How can you possibly build up a community? What nobody is talking about is the impact that this is going to have on local communities. What is the impact on a community, James, when everybody is, you know, priced out of it, people come in, they rent, or they subsequently go on to buy, even if they're not from the area, though I imagine that it just becomes a new community. Or is there a different impact?
0: Well, I think it's it's about, like, a different, it becomes a different kind of community. I think, you know, my wife is from Sweden, so she often gives me a, a very different perspective on, you know, tenants' rights and housing. So in Sweden, I mean, they achieve cohesive communities by having no threshold for social housing. So anybody can apply for social housing. And you end up with, like... You know, an engineer living next door to a nurse living next door to a factory worker living next door. And that that works. You know, they create, you know, cohesive communities, you know, strong working class communities in in Sweden. Uh, And and for those who uh, are in the private rental, uh, uh, you know, market uh, in Sweden, they've got real tenants rights. Like her mother and my wife's mother found her panicking the other night going, oh, you've got an eviction notice. Because in Sweden, you can only get an eviction notice if you've wrecked the place or you don't pay your rent. Uh, a landlord can't sell your flat from out, out from under you and definitely can't uh, enact a, max, a mass eviction and, you know, kick out thirty five mm. flats at once. So, you know, this stuff isn't rocket science. It's like, you know, build, build public housing uh, uh, and uh, change the thresholds. Because I think our governments and successive governments have tried to make public housing into ghetto housing intentionally to scare people away from uh, public housing and to make public housing, you know, small little islands that are kind of ghettoized that people don't really want to go into. Whereas in countries like Sweden or in Switzerland, you know, in some of the uh, uh, other European countries, you know, where they have a more progressive model of social housing, you can see that they've, You know they've created integrated communities, and that that's the kind of thing we should be fighting for here.
1: You you mentioned your your um, your notice period is up next June uh, from the complex that you're in at the moment, James. After after thirteen years, what's the plan now? I mean, just ultimately to try and get something in and around the area that you're in.
0: Well, I mean, first of all, like we've you know got together with our neighbours, we've talked to other people in the block. And there's there's two things we're going to pursue. One is that the Tyrrellstown, uh clause, which says that a landlord can't evict ten or more units uh, unless he can uh, he can prove uh, hardship. We're going we're we're just going to contest that. You know, if you're making seven hundred thousand a year rent roll and you could sell a building for a couple of million, that you can hardly say that you're going to be in, in hardship. Well, that's, what that, that's
1: to, so that the the tenants would have to stay in place, though, isn't it, when it's above 10 tenants? Yes, yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So it's like it, it was to prevent vulture funds and, and our private landlords just evicting people in bulk. So okay. if there's 10 or more units being evicted... The, uh, the tenants should stay in place, and then the secondly, the, the other thing is that lease side apartments in Cork. There were seventy eight units in an apartment block in Cork, and uh, the council stepped in. Cork County Council, include stepped in and took over the building in order to prevent the mass eviction. So we're going to be protesting at Dublin City Council uh, this Saturday at three o'clock. We're going to be outside the council on Woodkey. Uh, you know, me and the rest of the tenants, and we're just going to be basically saying to Dublin City Council that you should do something to prevent mass eviction.
1: Okay. All right. Well, listen, I'm sure there'll be plenty more about that in the protest uh, this Saturday as well. Uh, James O'Toole. James, listen, thanks a million for joining us here on the programme today. Calvin O'Brien, as I mentioned, one half of the Talking Bollocks podcast. Um, this listener says, in Sweden, you can't buy social housing. That's why they always have stock available there. Another listener on email, that's lunchtime live at newstalk.com adding insult to injury. There's loads of houses around the Dublin 8 area and they've all been boarded up for years. Why can't something be done to bring those back into stock as well? And Ronan has got in touch to say, why do people feel that they're entitled to get accommodation in their area and particularly in the area that they grew up in? I had to move out of Dublin myself when I wanted to buy a house. There's a real world out there. Nobody is entitled to a house anywhere, says Roman. 53106, that's the text line number. Listen, if you're listening to this conversation today and you feel gentrification has had an impact, whether it's good or bad in the area that you grew up in, If you're no longer able to buy a house in that locality, something maybe you wanted to do, look, do give us a call. We are going to come back to this a little bit later in the show. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. A little earlier in the programme we were talking about the impact of gentrification in certain areas, well actually nearly in all areas of the country, and people being priced out of their home areas, the areas that they grew up in, uh, even not being able to buy anywhere near the locality at the moment. And There's been a lot of reaction to this today on the show. If you want to call us it's 1800 453 Graeme is with us on the line today in Tipperary. Graeme, you had to move out of the area that you're from. Tell us your story.
3: Um, look, I was in social housing from two thousand and seven up to uh twenty twenty one, so that's a good fifteen years. Um, there was a goodwill gesture by my uh my wife's parents to move out to their home place. Um and we took it it didn't work out. We had, Look, there was going to be eight people in the house with two special needs kids, and we had to go eventually looking for somewhere to stay. But unfortunately, I think in my 15 years um, of renting and being in social housing, um, we were now going into the private market, and it was just overpriced. There's absolutely no way we could uh, get... A, in, in some places, where I'm from and Nina just... There's no chance. Everything goes up and um daft. IE, it's gone in a matter of hours. And in our case now it's more supply than anything else.
1: Mm. And this is in the rental sector, Graeme?
3: This is in the rental sector, yeah. We we don't uh, we we don't uh qualify for social housing, council housing, anything like that. So if anyone knows my story, like I spent fifty four days in a tent. Um before the housing minister intervenes to get emergency accommodation um it's not ideal, but look it's it's a step in the right direction um we're We're further away from schools than we were uh schools and work for my wife would have been twenty minutes for now an hour and ten minutes away um like I say, not ideal but uh it's it's still within the county walls.
1: Yeah, you're still you're 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 in the emergency accommodation at the moment, Graham.
3: I am. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're there at the minute. Yeah. And th- um, is there any update or prospect of?
3: No. There, look, I'm when you're in temporary long t- um, emergency accommodation as well. I think in in many more places as well. It's very much long term, but unfortunately because of where we are, we we can't very much have that long term. Um, it's. Uh, I won't go into the mentions, but really all your. All we have in the hostel is basically two sets of bunk beds that will fit in the room, an ensuite bathroom, and we share everything else. I have two special needs kids, and, um, you know, in, introducing them to a constant uh, revolving door of new people in and out of a hostel is not what I want. And, and I believe according to council uh, legislation, a uh, boy and a girl cannot share the same room. And they're coming up on that age. Uh, where they're not supposed to so we either go looking for an upgrade in emergency accommodation ourselves mm-hmm. uh along with having to look for uh private accommodation. Um but private uh people who own private accommodation we've noticed since we've been viewing um they're not too they're not too family orientated know. They're not too um family orientated. They prefer professional people because I suppose they can uh, get the maximum amount of rent out of them, and you know, get because there'd be four or five of them, depending on the size of the house. I, I can see where they're coming from. Whereas, when you have a family, family, you're looking more long term down the line, and um, I, I, it's not something they want. I don't think. I think they want people in and out of houses uh, so they can up the rent or whatever. Look. It's it's that it's their business how they. Is run that things. something you've experienced
1: day, though, Graham? In, in in recent weeks, that you feel that recent you, weeks, yeah. Yes, you're trying to on view
3: places. We've and been on viewings. Yeah, a lot of viewings. We like we haven't just been temporary viewing. We've been in Clare, Limerick, Limerick County, from Nina downwards to Perlis uh, Rossgray. Um, to we've been in Bar. Uh, we, we've been quite a few places, and. Every time it's uh, it's the same thing. It's just all it is now is a drain on my petrol tank. But we need to get somewhere that's even just close to the schools where we are. Okay. And come the, come the end of the school year, we'll sit down as a family and we'll talk about what's going to mm. happen then. Whether we need to keep these. I, I mean, look, the school is brilliant. We can't fault the school. They've helped us so much. But at the end of the day, we have to sit down and discuss whether it's going to be anyway profitable for us to keep um, doing what we're doing okay. or whether we move the kids.
1: How, how are the kids at the minute?
3: The kids are grand. Look, they're out of the tent. I mean, privacy is a big issue now. Um, it, I know it sounds bad, but it wasn't so much in the tent um, because we kind of had a two-bedroom uh, two tent. And you know we could, if they ever want their own bit of space, they could they could have it. Um, whereas we're in an urban setting now, we're in um, we're in a very tight setting where we are, you know. And at the end of the day, I'm, it's no fault on where on the people who run the place where we are. It's a hostel. It's only supposed to be for short term yeah, accommodation. Yeah, but
1: you're there longer than you know than what you I mean. Just... I I see this is the thing,
3: we don't know how long we're going to be there. You know what I mean? They put us us in emergency accommodation as as far away from Nina as they could get us. And the the thing is now that we don't know how long we're going to be there. You know, because we, from talking to people and, you know, listening to people, long-term, emergency accommodation is long-term. You know, the least, I mean, from the people I've talked to, two and a half years is the minimum time I've heard of anyone uh, staying in emergency accommodation. So... I really don't know, I
1: know you know It's hard to and it's, it's, as you said it's, it's the fact there's no timeline you know really Graeme in all of this and then you look at the, the supply issues around the area that um, that you're looking into and even beyond that catchment and, and, and still nothing coming up within the, the affordability range uh, Graeme listen we'll keep in touch look thank you for, for getting in touch with us here today on the programme that's Graham there in, uh, in Tipperary a lot of texts on this as well um, this listener says people from the com- country have to move to cities to get jobs you don't hear them demand that the jobs are brought to their areas so they can live where they grew up. Another texter communities have been decimated because locals can't afford to live where they're from. New people coming in, renting for a couple of years and then leaving. How can anyone possibly ever build up a local community? You need gentrification, says this texter, to develop areas. Life moves on and you need new people in the localities. And we'll take one more for the moment here in 53106. Dubliners whinging about having to leave their home place, which granted is sad, but it has been the reality for the majority of people. It rural Ireland for countless years keep those views coming into us today have you been priced out of buying or renting in your own uh, local area in the area that you grew up in more so than the area that you want to live in what's the impact of that on the local community and uh, or maybe you're like that last texter who thinks that look gentrification it's a great thing you need it for development of, uh, of local areas and investment